Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning. I'm a home birth, free birth guide, fear and mindset coach, podcaster, speaker, women's rights activist, and highly sensitive person. I'm a mother of three girls, and I've had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections with a special scar. I birthed our third 4.5 kilo baby at home in a free birth after not being able to access a home birth midwife. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their strength and courage to create the pregnancy, birth and postpartum you desire and deserve. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBATs, especially home births and professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC women and families. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode. I'm Ashley and today I'm going to be sharing a little bit about being obese or having a high BMI while planning a VBAC home birth. And I recently shared an Instagram reel and it kind of went a bit viral and I had a lot of people responding. Um, um, when I say viral, I mean on a small level, <laughs> but for my posts, it was, it reached quite a lot of people. And I had a lot of mamas reach out to me who, you know, are obese or have a plus high BMI and they wanted to know more about me and my journey. And they wanted to see more images of women with my body shape because in the home birth community, we often don't see bigger women. I mean, we don't often see bigger women in society anyways. We don't see bigger women on magazines or, you know, my husband said to me recently, I said to him, oh, well, you know, there are a few bigger women who are the leading actresses. And one of them was um, Melissa McCarthy. And the other one was Rebel Wilson, who's an Australian actor. And my husband said, well, Rebel was never a lead actor. And I said, okay, well, she was a supporting actor. So she was always with like a lead or something she's done really well for herself, but it's, um, she's not a lead. She wasn't a lead and now she's lost a lot of weight. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But when it came to Melissa, Melissa McCarthy, my husband said that apparently a lot of the movies that she's in, I'm going to have to look this up, but apparently a lot of the movies she's in, her husband's a director. So that was really interesting because I thought I was thinking about that and I had a few women in mind, but I couldn't really think of anything. And then obviously I loved watching Roseanne. I mean, it's not obvious, but I think a lot of us did growing up. I loved Roseanne and that was obviously about about a bigger woman. But yes, predominantly lead women will not be bigger. And so it's mirrored to us in our society that it is not, you know, something to be, it's something to be ashamed of. You know, there's a lot of shame for bigger women, for bigger people, if you are a bigger person listening to this, you know that there's a lot of fat shaming. There's a lot of misunderstanding bigger people. There hasn't been size inclusivity for a long time. Now there's a lot of bigger clothing sizes, which is really cool. You know, as a bigger woman myself, I'm a size 26. So that's really big. And it's really nice that I can go into big W or target or something like that and go pick up some clothes that are in my size. I don't want to be this big and I've been trying for a long time to be a lot smaller, 
but apparently it's quite complex and there's quite a lot of different things. Through my journey in the hospital system, I definitely was discriminated against due to my size. I had an obstetrician tell me that she wasn't a fattest and I've never heard of that word before or that term. She said to me, I'm not a fattest, but I mean, I'm a bigger person myself. And so I get the vibe that maybe she hated herself for being a bigger person. Maybe she didn't respect herself or maybe she herself had experienced some of the things that I had experienced and she was kind of putting that onto me. I'm not sure. There is a study out there that I have access to. So if you want to link, I'll probably put it in the show notes for you. They talk about that healthcare providers treat us less humane or treat us with less empathy or compassion than they would a healthy sized person or someone in the healthy weight range. And so that's really interesting because, you know, there's there's such a strong focus on get on the scales, get on the scales. When I was in my hospital, um, you know, going for my VBAC in hospital, it was always make sure you weigh yourself, make sure you weigh yourself. And I didn't put on much weight at all, except for maybe like 10 kilos or something, 10, 15 kilos in all of my pregnancy. So by the time I actually gave birth to my babies, I'd usually lost weight. I put my weight on in postpartum when I'm breastfeeding <laughs> um, and emotional eat during that time. I can't eat that much because I get HG anyways through pregnancy and I don't know what happens, but some I go completely healthy when I'm pregnant. So that time when you're allowed to have guilt-free food and everything, that's the time when my body craves all the good foods. And I do love good and healthy foods, but that's what happens to my body and my experience. I put it all on in the postpartum. So I think since I've had my babies, I've put on a decent amount. I think I've put on about 20 or 30 kilos that I just haven't been able to lose. And, um, you know, each baby, it just kept on and on and on. And so I'm working on that anyways, and that's a part of my journey and a part of who I am. You'll see anyways, when you see me on video, you know, my size and through photos, I don't hide who I am. And in my birth photos, you can see my entire body. Uh, and the reason I share those birth photos, I mean, I didn't even want the birth photographer to be there. I was embarrassed about having people in my birth space. You know, I had to work through a lot of blocks. But after, after I had this birth experience, I said, stuff it. It's a naked body. It doesn't matter if it's got extra fat. You know, I know so many people are offended by seeing a fat body. I've heard of stupid comments online and stupid comments from people on TV about fat people's bodies, um, namely uh, Piers Morgan. I saw him having a go. I mean, he's got the worst opinion anyways, when it comes to people, he's just not a very lovely person, but I saw him tear down a bigger woman. And I, I heard like some, one of the Australian TV presenters, Carrie, can't remember her name. She's really old something. I can't remember her name. Um, she was like, fat people shouldn't wear workout gear. I was like, it's disgusting. And I was like, what the hell? what are fat people going to wear? <laughs> what They can't wear tights or they can't wear um, tight fitting clothes. Like, oh my God. But yes, anyways, people think like that and they're disgusted by fat people and they're disgusted by fat images. 
most people that I know are disgusted by their own bodies, even when they're average size. All Most of my friends are average size or below. And every single time I talk to them, they are just more, probably more disgusted with their body than I am. And it makes me realize that, especially for women, it, like my husband doesn't give a rat's about the way he looks. So, you know, it could be like a female thing, but we're definitely taught that we have to look a certain way. And so even if you're a little bit on the heavier side, you're probably going to be ridiculed. You're probably going to be discriminated against. You're probably going to get some of that if you go through the hospital system. And for me, one of the reasons why I ended up with a second cesarean, probably the first one as well, is because of my size. It's not because my body is capable and amazing and I fall pregnant, you know, first month of trying they don't look at the positives and the amazing health that I have. They don't look at all my levels being amazing and that I've not got high blood pressure or anything else happening in my body. Um, they only look at what could happen. You're at high risk for this. You're at high risk for that. You're at this. You're... And the prejudgments because our society essentially hates fat people. So, you know, there's that, um, hatred burning on either subconsciously or consciously and it's just the way it is and most people hate their own bodies either when they're skinny or they're not there's a lot of um, artificialness in our culture of how you should look and what you should be and you should get this surgery and you should do this and you know just I talk to people who are have what I would deem the most beautiful bodies and they have so much self-loathing for their beautiful body and I, I look at my body now and I love my body I think it's the most amazing thing it created three beautiful lives with no problems by the way very healthy very healthy babies beautiful juicy babies there was no health problems I didn't need any medicines or anything to get me through pregnancy. I didn't need to get assistance with pregnancy and I conceived naturally and easily breastfeeding the same, you know, take away the interventions and the judgments and the bullshit. And basically my body works amazingly. And unfortunately, a lot of us bigger people, we have this belief that I know for me, I felt like because the doctor said to me, you know, you may have trouble getting pregnant. And so I was like, okay, well, I might have problems because I'm bigger. And, you know, obviously I didn't have problems. I was, I do consider myself very fortunate, not because I'm a bigger person, just because I know so many women do struggle with falling pregnant. And that makes me love my body even more. And even if I had issues with my body, I would still love it and give it the nourishment and things that it needs. And so that's an ongoing struggle with me, you know, how can you love yourself and be at your size versus I love myself and I'm doing everything I possibly can to nourish and look after myself. And so that's a real mindset thing that I have to turn around constantly for myself is that it's okay, Ashley, you're doing the very best that you can. And you're giving yourself, I eat a lot of vegetables and fruits and things like that. So I am very like well-nourished, but I have a tendency to overeat and emotional eat at times, mostly overeating and probably night eating as well. 
which is a bad thing. Not the greatest. I probably consume a lot of my calories at nighttime. And that's something that I'm continually working on. And, you know, there was a bit of doubt and can my body do it? You know, they judge me that I won't be able to have a VBAC. They deemed that I wouldn't be up to the task of being able to get through contractions. They deemed, you know, with my VBAC attempt in the hospital system, there was a lot of mindset things that I had to work through. There was a lot of mindset things. Um, you know, will my body be able to get through it? Will I be able to handle the pain? I'm a bit of a sook. Um, I'm really heavy by the time I gave birth to my baby. So just to put it into context for you, I was roughly about 140 kilos when I was pregnant with my third baby. That's about 310 pounds. So I had put on about 15 kilos by the time my baby was born. So I was about 155 kilos and I was so heavy, like so, so, so heavy. And I had a 10 kilo, uh, not 10 kilo, oh my goodness, I didn't have an elephant on board, <laughs> but I had a 10 pound baby on board. So I had a 4.5 kilo baby and my body was at its limits. I was really uncomfortable. I had HD again and the third baby was putting its strain on my body and I knew I definitely needed a birthing pool and I knew in the hospital system they would not let me go near a birthing pool. If you're over 100 kilos, they won't let you go on them, even though the hoists that they've got for emergencies are like hold 200 kilos or something like that. They won't let you in those birthing pools because they are an intervention, they say. Filling up the birthing pool with water is an intervention. The biggest problem they have is that if you were to fall, uh, you know, apparently some women every now and then pass out in these birthing pools. I personally didn't pass out. I don't know. I don't think I could pass out, but, you know, it's possible. And some women every now and then will pass out. And so they don't want to break their back trying to get you out of the birthing pool, which is fine. That's why they got the hoist, right? Otherwise, what's the point in having one? And the other thing is they don't have, they have to have trained midwives to be there, but they're more than happy to give you an epidural on arrival for obese people. That's their recommendation. So they want to put you at risk for the potential long-term harm of having a spinal in your back and the intervention of the epidural which puts you at a higher risk of a cesarean or forceps or vacuum delivery but getting in a birthing pool that helps with pain management helps you feel more comfortable as a bigger person helps you feel safe in an, in that birthing pool that is a known relaxation tool I mean hot water come on uh, it has so many benefits that is a big no-no. So that is one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have a home birth. Outside of having two cesareans before and knowing that I would be pretty much almost brain dead if I went back there, I honestly felt like if I went back to the hospital system and allowed them to do that to me again, I must be like effed out my mind. I just couldn't fathom why, as a sane person, I would do that to myself again. 
you know, and ex- and put myself in that experience and allow them to do that to me again after the experiences that I had. And I remember reading, uh, what was it, the Mongan, the Mongan method? I don't know how they say it. It's a hypnobirthing book, the, the Mongan method, I think it's called. I remember her telling her story and her stories were amazing where she trusted her doctor and she told him what she wanted. And he said, yep, yep, yep. And she went into the hospital and then they basically, when she was in labor and they basically like gassed her and like locked her down on the bed and knocked her out. She was like, no, 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 I don't want this. And then basically they put her to sleep and she had to go through all of that. Then with the second baby, she went back to the same doctor said the same thing this time I'm having this baby blah blah and he's like yep yep, yep." and then they did the same thing to her and then she went back there a third time and I was like what the hell are you doing she did have a positive experience this time I think she ended up um you know not getting knocked out and doing it on her own without being knocked out and stuff but I just thought and then her takeaway from that was that the doctor was like it was an experience for him. I mean, that's the takeaway of it. But there was no way in hell I was going to put myself in that situation uh, to be an experience for a doctor or to see if third time's lucky is a charm, especially when you're a high BMI. The other issue that you have as a high BMI is finding a supportive midwife, finding someone who doesn't discriminate against you. So personally for me, when I was looking for a midwife, I had this one midwife in mind who was bigger at the time who I thought would be size inclusive but she also had the same birth um belief as me she had she believed in the same she believed in the birth philosophy she had she believed in the same things and I had spoken to a lot of her past clients and I knew and I'd met her and spoken to her and I knew that I would feel safe with her Um, but I had another midwife on board. I've spoken to a lot of other midwives. I had another midwife on board. She was happy to accept everything about me. My special scar, my two cesareans. I mean, looking back, I don't think they're big deals. Like, but I know that they are for midwives because of licensing and all that. Um, but it isn't a big deal when you look at, when you look at the stats for VBAC after multiple, it's just, Obviously, VBAC is not a big deal, but obviously in the hospital system or in the system, it is. And I know that midwives are are witch hunted a lot of the time. So I get it. And as somebody recently said to me, which I shared in one of the other podcasts, you know, if if, if these health care providers have any negative outcomes or if they ever um experience a traumatic or ex- or a bad experience whether a baby dies or you know a mother almost dies or dies or anything that that trauma sticks for them for life that's always going to be a trauma response for them i don't think that there is anything out there that's going to stop that trauma response we're naturally designed to remember when there's danger and so if a person feels like they're in a life and death situation, even if it's not them. And they're trying to, as this woman said, she was resuscitating this baby, her heart and her blood pressure and everything would have been pumping the adrenaline. She would have been scared of out of wits. I mean, how many of us are in those sorts of situations? They're imprinted on us forever. And she's still traumatized to this day. I don't know how long ago it was. My GP was traumatized. When I said to her, I want to have a VBAC in hospital, 
and I don't want some of the interventions, she pinged off her head. She was like, I was in the hospital one time and I saw this woman and she wouldn't let us come in when I was doing my training and then her baby died. And I was like, okay, so you're thinking about yourself and your trauma and what about the woman? Like why would the woman refuse care and why would she be screaming, get the F out of the room? If you could look at this situation outside of the trauma, what can you see, you know? you can see that a woman is refusing help in a hospital system and she's obviously scared of getting that help. And so I was looking at it from the other point of view because I I felt like that woman, of course. So always looking at it from our point of view. And so those people are looking at these situations most of the time from their point of view. What does it mean to me? And so when you're looking for a care provider, you want somebody who's not a fat biased, whatever that means. And you can sometimes get a vibe of people. So I had a midwife who was willing to support me for all the other things. And then I said to her, I've also got a really high BMI. She said to me, how high? And then we looked it up and she's like, oh, no, I can't do that. (laughs) I was like, okay. So I think that, you know, for most midwives, my high BMI would have risked me out. And nobody ever, I mean, she was the only one who told me flat out, but I think other people didn't tell me exactly why I couldn't get their support. It's a guessing game as to why I couldn't get their support. Um, But I imagine obviously there's a multiple factors for me. Um, Not that I think that those are real health things. I think that they're just things that factor up against them feeling safe. I did have a doula who was a free birth doula who said to me, or she had attended free birth and she was unwilling to support me because of my BMI. So it's really interesting and really important that you align yourself with somebody who is size inclusive, who does believe in bigger bodies, who, and even the doula that I chose, she had a bigger body. The two people who attended my birth, one was my size and the other one was a bigger bodied person. So I made sure that I was in a room with people that I felt wouldn't I would feel safe with and who wouldn't discriminate against me as well. And so I think, I don't think that people who have smaller bodies are going to discriminate me against me naturally. Like sometimes I feel that way. And if you've got a bigger body, you might feel that way too. So here's an example. If I go into like a yoga studio and I'm with like somebody who's like really fit and healthy, I think, oh my goodness, like they're going to think I'm a fat slob. And I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know. But if they're into yoga, they're probably really nice and they're probably not judgmental and they probably really want to help people get fit and healthy and live a more aligned life. That's what I'm imagining. Everyone has their own personalities and views and judgments and things like that. So you will know after having an interview with somebody or some things that they say about you, whether that person really supports you. And you have to really be guided by your intuition, not by the words that they say all the time, but maybe by the way that they look at you and the way that you feel in their presence. Some people, like a lot of my friends, they are size inclusive, obviously. And I know I feel so safe with them. Like they don't see my fat. They don't see my body. They see my soul. And that's really beautiful because with other people, they constantly, I notice that they constantly look at my body. 
Like they can't help it. Here's an example. Children, they are constantly, they're like the greatest because they haven't like little children, they haven't been taught what's socially acceptable and what's socially, you know, so little kids, whenever I'm around them, they'll be like, how come your arms so big? Or how come your belly so big? Or are you having a baby? And I don't get offended. I mean, it's a bit embarrassing, but it's the truth. So I'll explain to them. That's what happens when you eat too much food or you eat too many high calorie foods like McDonald's or something. Um, Obviously their parents will go on and say, but I'm like, it's okay. It's no problems. It doesn't happen a lot. But when I used to drop my child off to kindergarten, the kids would look at me a lot. I think I was pregnant for part of it, but other parts, um, I'm not pregnant. (laughs) So whereas an adult wouldn't say something like that to me, but I can get it from judgmental people because they constantly stare at you. They look you up and down. Like some people will look you up and down and you just know, you just know. So make sure that you are following your cues and you're listening. Find somebody who is um, size supportive and, you know, do some internal works because there are a lot of fears. There is a lot of shaming. There is going to be a lot of stuff there. Really what I did for myself is I fixated on the things that I knew were true about me and that I had achieved in my life. And I fixated and I anchored onto those things. I anchored onto the fact that I fell pregnant in the first month of trying for my babies. I anchored onto the fact that I was able to breastfeed my second baby for 12 months, despite majority of women not breastfeeding for whatever reason. I anchored onto the fact that I don't take medication. I anchored onto the fact that I don't have any health issues. I anchored onto the fact that my body was able to make and birth beautiful babies. I mean, I'd never had a vaginal birth, but I always had the belief and trust because then I was looking to my four mothers. So for me, I was like, okay, well, my mother could birth vaginally and her mother. And so, and my grandmother, and I was looking at evidence in my ancestral path, essentially. And so I was looking for evidence. I was ignoring the other evidence because there wasn't any evidence that my body wasn't capable, except for all the bullshit that I'd been fed at the hospital. You know, I was told it would be harder for me, that my body wasn't, wasn't able to do it, that there's, there was all these little things that they mentioned to me about why it would be harder and why this. And I never found any actual scientific research or anything on that, but um, to really even give that much, uh, much of a thought. So I did actually look for some of that information and I did download the plus size or the um, high BMI guidelines here in Queensland to see how they treat you and, and what they do and the reasons why. And a lot of it has to do with when you go to surgery, there's extra steps that they need to do for high BMI. So that's fine. I understand some of those things and that's logistically okay. Um, I really anchored down onto just how amazing and, and beautiful my body is. And I really tried to There wasn't any photos of plus size women giving birth. So I didn't really have that. So I just kind of had to look at other women. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what I anchored onto. I anchored onto this beautiful statue of a um, fertility goddess. I can't remember her name. Somebody told me about her once. 
she was a fertility goddess. If you just do Google fertility goddess, there was this big woman and she had the same body shape as me, fertility goddess. And I thought like back in the day, there were people who used to worship a big woman like me. And I also look at like different cultures where bigger women are um, worshipped or, you know, held in high esteem. And I think, oh, you know, they do it there. And, you know, I was looking at all those sorts of things. But it is really interesting that they had like a bigger woman as a fertility um, goddess. So really harnessing into those things. And now that you are listening to my story, you can go onto my Instagram and you can see my photos and you can see that I easily and calmly birthed my baby without any assistance. I did it all on my own with a special scar. I birthed a 4.5 kilo baby out of my vagina. Um, it's a miracle apparently, <laughs> but it's not. It's just, that's just what my body was made to do. Um, it was designed to do that just as mammals are designed to give birth. We, my body worked the way that it needed to work. And sometimes things go wrong with our beautiful designs. And sometimes they're, you know, that's what happens. There will always be a percentage of women that those things happen to or people and that's just life. But um, I, you know, really set into those mindset things and really, you know, set myself up with the right support, the right people and looking at myself as knowing and believing that I could birth my baby, blocking out the negative that I had heard in my last pregnancy and truly believing in myself and I did believe in myself. There was never a doubt that I, okay, there was a doubt. I'm not going to say there never was because like that would be a lie. But I, I feel like there was never a doubt. But there were some times where I'd say to my husband, what if, what if I can't do it? Or what if, and he'd be like, you can, you will. And I'm like, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't a deep fear. I never had a deep fear, I should say. I never had a deep fear that I wouldn't be able to vaginally birth my baby I just always believed that I could and I never had a, I never thought that it would have anything to do with my weight either. I put that down to BS and I just believed in myself and I did. So there is a, there is a quote, she believed she could, so she did. And a friend of mine, I actually bought that key ring and I loved it so much. I think a friend of mine gave me one and it just made me feel so lovely so yes, please do jump onto my Instagram and look at some of my photos because they're plus size inclusive and you can see my body and, um, you know, connect in with yourself and do some of those things. Hit me up on Instagram if you have any questions or if you would like anything or to know anything about it or, you know, just hit me up on Instagram. I'm there. Always happy to chat. And if you're not following me on Instagram, come and follow me on Instagram on my stories. I share like more personal day-to-day -day stuff and on my feed I've got like little Instagram reels and quotes and things like that so that's where it's all happening that's where I'm having fun um you know I'm always floating around send me a DM say hello I hope this episode if you're a plus-size person I hope this episode was really helpful for you if you are not a plus-size person and you listen to this thank you so much for listening I hope this really opened your eyes to how it feels to be a bigger person 
I'm not everyone who's a bigger person feels this way, but this is my experience. And this is um, the experience of what I've seen many other women feeling. So thank you for being open-minded and I hope that you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope this episode has helped you take another step forward in your VBAC home birth journey. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps me get this message out to more women just like us. Want to follow along and get freebies and offerings? Find me on Instagram, Ashley L. Winning, and send me a DM to say hi. And come and join our safe group on Facebook. Just search VBAC Home Birth Support Group. Until next time, keep shining beautiful.